This is Contact Mike. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you, Doe. It's January. It's January. It's a podcast about the things that make us human. Moments of change, indecision and, well, well, contact. Contact. Contact Mike is a monthly podcast by Sarah Walker. I like all these pictures on this microphone. There's the Infinity Symbol, there's a Pac-Man and there's the moon. And Flirt Kilpatrick. Guys, if I'd realised we were starting recording, I would have read that better. It's produced by Kieran Ruffles. Uh, that is demonstrably untrue. And it's going to start... It's going to start... Now. now. Chapter 1. This month in your world, people photographed their food. Plates piled high. Perhaps you knew this. Perhaps you even did it yourself, checked in at three bags full, they do a mean smashed avo. But whilst you were hashtagging brunch or thug life, some people were tagging Medea, a Syrian town under siege. Hezbollah supporters taunted the starving town with photos of their pantries, overflowing bowls of rice and fish served with thin slices of yellow lemon. At least 28 people died of malnutrition in the months the town was besieged. Men and women passed each other on the street and did not recognise their neighbours' faces, so sunken were their cheeks, so listless their eyes. The food pictures were tagged in solidarity with the Medea siege. (laughs) This month in your world, a man finished a scarf he started knitting seven years ago. It's wonky. Its width oscillates like a waveform. He gave it to his son to show him that men can make soft and fuzzy things for someone they love. This month in your world, your country even, a woman requested a restraining order against her ex-husband. It was not the first time she'd filled out this paperwork, not the first time she'd written his name in careful block letters in blue or black pen. But in November, a campaign had started. Family on both sides calling, messaging, writing on her Facebook wall, saying the kids really should see their father on Christmas Day, saying no one deserves to be alone at Christmas, saying Christmas is about family, saying he's changed, saying you're being really selfish. Hers was one of the flood of requests in the days before Christmas asking for the order to be revoked, and hers was one of the record-breaking onslaught of calls to domestic violence support services post-Christmas. 2,000 calls were taken in Queensland alone in the four days between Christmas and New Year's. That's a lot of really shitty holidays. The woman has put in her paperwork. She sits in her kitchen, stares at the stove, and waits to feel safe. This month, An international group of academics from Oxford, Princeton, Harvard, Cornell and Copenhagen sat down at their computers and, via a shared drive, began to write a letter. The letter was a submission in favour of awarding the Nobel Peace Prize to the people of Lesbos, Kos, Chios, Samos, Rhodes and Leros. Of the 900,000 refugees who entered Europe last year, the vast majority were received by the people of the Greek islands of the Aegean Sea. They arrived wet often literally pulled from the water by fishermen, teachers, students, tour guides and shopkeepers. They arrived with little. One activist told the Guardian of girls being pulled from the water smiling with nothing but their end-of-year school certificates, which they laid in the sun to dry. Month after month, as the country dragged itself through economic crisis and the government refused to acknowledge the extent of the human horrors being faced in the Aegean Sea, the citizens of the island worked on. 
the academics chose their words carefully. They write of the empathy and self-sacrifice of those who have opened their homes to the dispossessed. They write of the bravery of those who swam out into choppy waters to drag in flailing bodies. The goodness of people is astounding. This month, a little girl on the brink of falling asleep asked her mummy, what makes me me? Is it my lungs? I liked that very much. That perhaps it isn't your heart that defines you, that organ works in a closed circuit pumping blood around your body, but your lungs. Your lungs take from and give back to the outside world. Maybe that, what we take and what we give, is what makes us, us. Chapter two. Chapter two. This is Amina Ashman. Oh, so this is a pop shield. Yeah. In 2012, Amina had just moved to Melbourne from Malaysia. I remember, like, running down Swanston Street in, like, a really colourful dress, having, like, a really fun time. When she got a call, it was three in the morning. A voice a long way away said a horrible sentence. I didn't hear the first word, and I thought, I thought, oh, a family friend or something. I said, what? And she was like, Papa, he passed away. And then that's when it just kind of hit me like a real shock. It was an asthma attack. Yeah, it was It was so sudden. She was told that a flight had been booked and to pack her bags. Amina stared at her suitcase. She put in coloured pencils. Couldn't believe, like, that was the first thing I chucked in. The night was so strange and sudden. She packed in a daze. At some point, a rat wandered into the room to watch and had to be chased away. She flew to Malaysia the next morning. In a metal cylinder high above the ocean, Amina watched fathers walk up and down the aisle, bouncing their tiny daughters in and out of sleep. When she landed, a helicopter was waiting, and again she flew. At the time, it was really cloudy as well, so it looked like the rivers were mirrors, and it just looked like underneath those rivers were more clouds. Still in shock, grieving the loss of my dad, but at the same time getting so excited by the scenery and just... Like, you know, feeling like I've hopped on this little insect and looking out into the sky, just feeling his presence and just kind of, yeah, just it was very surreal and it was really misty and there were all these trees and, like, limestone cliffs. And, yeah, it just, it was a very beautiful, like, mesmerising but intimidating ride because I knew it was just going to get harder from there. Perhaps now is a good time to say why a helicopter met you at the airport. Okay, so I'm from the state of Pera, and at the time my grandfather was the sultan. So, yeah, she's royalty. And my father was fifth in line for the throne, so it was a state funeral, and I had to get there. As soon as possible. Amina arrived right in the midst of this state funeral. The room was just a sea of men in traditional white robes. Like at least a thousand. And out of that sea rose hundreds and hundreds of smartphones and tablets, all ready to record her last goodbye. Yeah, it was weird. I was like battling all these different emotions because here I was looking at my father for the last time and and I really just for a second appreciated appreciated his being just looking at his body and he did look really serene and you're not allowed to actually have tears fall on on the body of a dead person and so I remembered having to like just wipe my tears a little bit 
and then I had to kind of walk towards him for like this final kiss and I kissed him on the forehead and I remembered as I kissed him on the forehead the number of like camera clicks I could hear just all these shutters just going and it was like this moment of like goodbye I'm letting you go it's beautiful it's sad but wow really you have to take this photo this is the most personal I'm ever going to get and I felt like that moment was also robbed and till this day there's like a whole video it goes for like an hour and a half more from the time like my family entered the room saw him said our final goodbyes he got put into a coffin carried all the way to the burial ground got into the earth like it was all recorded where is this video it's on youtube and i tried to get it off you know like i really tried i first i just like sent a personal message to the person said look this is really insensitive can you please take it off look i'm getting really offended i'm the daughter like please take it off for my family respect our privacy nothing and then i like started to make like little complaints to youtube and pointed out at this minute that's me there that's me kissing my father that's that but i couldn't do anything apparently so it's just there and another thing is like if someone was to just like google me the first few photos you might see on google images is the photo of my father's face like passed away just yeah <laughs> not nice have you since had any moments where you've found private ways to grieve? Well, first of all, I felt like it was great to grieve away from Malaysia. I don't know, being in Melbourne, I had the freedom to grieve in the way I wanted rather than just doing the Islamic prayers, which I felt at the time was just kind of going through the motions and being respectful. I wanted to grieve in the way I could. I did lots of... I did lots of drawing. Remember the coloured pencils? That was my way of kind of um, remembering him, like on the day he was buried. Like everything was kind of done and we sort of shook thousands of people's hands and said thank you for coming. We just kind of sat there for a bit, just looking at this mound of earth with heaps of flowers, like just stalks of roses and thousands of petals. And I took out my phone and I just suddenly had the impulse to just take photos of these flowers on his grave. And I just snapped away like at least 300 or 400 of them. And it just became a thing the next day when I visited his grave again, poured more flowers, took more photos, it just became this thing I did. So when I got back to Melbourne, I started to attempt at drawing those flowers. And I liked the fact that some of those flowers were, you know, decomposing they weren't just like they weren't ever arranged in a particular order it was very much left a chance and I think it just helped me overcome or try to understand like loss and fate and circumstance and that sort of thing so I just continuously kept illustrating these flowers but also coloring them in these kind of bold hues the kind that looked like the kind of designs of print my father would actually wear because he was a very colorful dresser and I wanted to I wanted to kind of marry that I don't know these 
these flowers that are a symbol of, you know, ephemerality. And I wanted to marry that with him and his sense of style and his his vibrancy being alive. Like I needed to just overlap life and death and kind of explore it in a conceptual but, yeah, artistic way. All of us have to decide what to share with the world. We untag ourselves from photos, reject our boss's friend requests, and when horrible or wonderful news hits, we make a decision whether or not to change our profiles to rainbows or national flags. The death of her father and grandfather has given Amina her own rules for curation. Yeah, I hated social media for a long time after that, and I just like refused to look at Twitter. But yeah, when my grandfather passed away, that was last year in May, and he started getting sick after my father passed away, and I assume that kind of grief took over, and he was always diabetic, and he had problems with his lungs and that sort of thing. But because he was the sultan at the time, it was huge. You know, I thought my father's funeral was big. This one was televised. And this really bizarre moment happened when we were shaking hands with people who came to the funeral again. I was really taken aback by it, but one lady just went, you know you're trending on Twitter? <gasps> and I just, like, I didn't know how to react to that. And she, like, pointed at my brother and said, all of you... Your photos are all around Twitter. Everyone's talking about you right now. Like in a very, really excited way. And I was wow. like, this is really strange. I'm going to have to look that up. And did you? I did. And it was just like, you can't help but feel flattered when people, you know, say nice things about you. But given time and place, it was just not right. And people just started talking about me and my sister. And it suddenly it was like... For a few days in Malaysia, we were like these celebrities, like, you know, unknown princesses. Wow, mixed blood, so attractive. Like, not even joking, like, all these, like, photos being reblogged of me and my sister getting out of a car one day suddenly just went viral. And there was this weird vine that was made of me of some boy drooling over a photo. And it was funny, but it was like, my grandfather just passed away this is really strange and so there was that and then on top of that because we suddenly for a while just became these public figures there were a lot of conservative muslims who started like bad-mouthing me and i took offense to that and they were saying things like look at this look at this girl showing her neck her cleavage her hair blowing in the wind her father must be rolling in the grave right now he oh my god a, yeah, yeah he was such a spiritual religious man look at his daughter and yeah that was really weird and i was like i want to go back to melbourne i hate this i hate this judgment i hate this lack of tact the just inappropriateness of it all it was really weird but, you know, I'd always be careful with my Facebook. I'd, like, try to hide things from family, like any other teenager. And, you know, like, making sure I never get photoed in a bikini. Like, things like that. And, like, going clubbing, just making sure I don't have a drink in hand. And, you know, like, yeah, things like that. And how I dress, what people know about me. Yeah, there's always been that kind of echo of... Remember who you represent. What was your father's name? Oh, yeah, actually, I should do that. Yeah, so his name was Ashman. He loved to eat. He'd 
you know, get in a car for three hours if you just felt like having a particular river fish from another state. That's something I really remember about him and really his sense of style. Like, he wore every colour under the sun, you name it. Like, sometimes he'd come out in, like, these lime green fluoro pants and, you know, he'd have, like, braids and beads on his beard. Yeah, he had a very eclectic style. Um, Oh, yes. So... (laughs) He really wanted to buy the plot of land next door to our house and just never got around to it. Then someone bought it and as the house was being built, he just used to get my sister's water guns and start water gunning the building. (laughs) And then when the neighbours did move it, first of all, he hated the building. It looked so different from ours. His house next door was like a shopping complex, really glassy, really modern. He hated it. So what he'd do is he'd get onto the balcony and he'd blast his electric guitar really loud and then he'd get my sister to play the drums downstairs just to annoy them just a little bit more. I love the the disparity between these people on Twitter saying, I can't believe uh, this woman is showing her neck. Her father would be so disappointed. And then this guy staring at the next door neighbours, rage in his eyes, just playing his electric guitar as loud as possible. But also just, I guess, the beautiful, like, mess of contradictions that we all are as humans, Mm. that you can be both a religious leader and a vindictive neighbour. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and all these beautiful jumble of things that we are. Yes, yeah. people. Chapter three. Have you seen a dead body? Ah, uh, yes. I've never seen anyone die, but I I saw my grandfather after he died at the viewing before his funeral. I don't know how old I must have been. I must have been about ten, and um, I remember being with my brother and, and standing about four meters away from the coffin. And kind of being like, there's a dead person there. Like, there's a dead person. But then I remember approaching the coffin and I remember he was very yellow and quite waxy and and cold. And it hadn't occurred to me that he would be cold. And I remember touching his hand and, and that being a really strange experience. And But I was kind of too young to really appreciate the gravity of what had happened. I my father was devastated. But yeah, my brother and I just sort of touched him a bit and then just walked away. Have you seen a dead person? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my early 20s, a uh, Brisbane artist called Will Sarantak died of a heroin overdose. Mm. And he was heavily involved in 4ZZZ, the Brisbane community radio that we were all involved in. He was a DJ. Uh, yeah, he was like a super sexy, hot, young artist, kick-ass, muso dude, like who everyone really thought was great. <laughs> And, yeah, it was an open casket. Um, But there was a part in the funeral where everyone had to line up and walk past the open casket. Like, I wasn't wasn't sure if we would ever get close enough to see it. But we did. And, yeah, I I remember, similar to what you were saying, Sarah, like, uh, this waxen sort of look, but um, that it didn't really look like him enough Mm. and I just burst into tears like Mm. just the moment that I saw him and I was not expecting that Mm. at all yeah like he was someone that I 
thought was really great and looked up to, but we were not close. Mm. And I think my body just reacted to that moment of seeing, seeing death, mm. seeing the familiar transfigured into the unfamiliar. And yeah, I lost it. Ted body I saw was my friend Billy. We were we were all six at the time when she was killed in a car crash, and we dealt with it all in six-year-old ways. Um, I remember I remember getting a phone call from my best friend, totally in tears, and I just was kind of annoyed that I couldn't understand her well enough. And she managed to sob out that Billy had died. And when I got that message, I kind of went okay and hung up. <laughs> my parents were just like, "What? What was that?" And I, I said, "Oh, Billy died." And mum just kind of went, what? And instantly called back Poppy's mum. And then the house started crying and then I started crying because the adults were crying. And in the year or so after, we figured it out in our own childish way. We were really upset for her that she probably hadn't got to see The Lion King because that was a really big part of our lives. (laughs) But yeah, I, I was also, I was there when my grandmother died and I dressed her for a funeral as well. And temperature is such a big part of my memory of that because she'd been in the freezer. Oh, wow. So she came out and she was like a human icy pole with sort of condensation all over her forehead. And, yeah, and I remember for a long time she felt very alive to me in this sense of that I should be able to get onto a train and Mm. be at her house and be in her kitchen in an hour and a half. And yet she is simultaneously the most dead person in the world (laughs) because I have held her icy pole human body (laughs) as I tried to like struggle to button up a shirt Mm. like no one's more dead than that Mm. (laughs) we always talk about death aren't we cheery I guess I guess well part of what's happened is that the internet has exploded with grief Mm. for David Bowie Mm. like yesterday when we were walking in that beautiful sunset with this strange kind of weight of knowing that someone we had never known but that meant a great deal of people was gone and looking up at those rainbows everyone using the the pun hashtag rainbowy there was this really nice moment of being like this is so beautiful and so fleeting and I think it's kind of nice to be reminded of that I think it's really easy to get caught up in all the nonsense of life and and forget the the complete irrational miracle of us being here and the, and the, and the brevity of our, our time. I think it's really easy to forget that. And it's kind of, it's sad that it takes people dying to be reminded of that, but it's, it's a good thing to be reminded of. It's a really important thing to be reminded of. this is the end of our first episode Mm -hmm. so congratulations guys well done everybody yeah thanks yeah go us contact mike is a monthly podcast about people by flo kilpatrick and sarah walker produced by kieran ruffles you can find us at contactmikepodcast.com we would love it if you followed us on social media and reviewed us on itunes this has been contact mike this episode this episode ends now. now Okay, I'm going to hit stop. Okay.